All right, guys, Dr. Greg here, and on today's episode of the Daily Dose of Dr. Greg, I am in the hot seat. <laughs> so I have one of our communications directors, Eric, with us, and Eric is uh, one of our many team members that um, supports you guys on social media. So we are going to take some live questions, I guess not live, some actual questions from social media, and I am going to answer them. So this episode is going to be all over the place. It's going to be everything from thyroid to infection to maybe Lyme, I don't know. Um, but let's jump in, man. Yeah, I, and what I've simply done is gone back through social media. Um, I've collected a, just a complete random bag of some of the questions, especially the ones we see most often. Mm -hmm. So maybe you'll hear your own question in here. <laughs> um, By the way, if you want to hear your question, I mean, we're, we're, we're pulling random ones, but the point of this is is we answer questions. Like that, that's the reality of this is this, we, all of these questions have been responded to, but our goal on social media is to be a resource. So, but I think we want to just create some other opportunities so that you can actually see my thoughts on things on the fly. Yep. All right. So let's dive in. So I have one here from Weena and she asked, so let's put her a little context around this question. Yeah. Quite a few of your videos, um, you know, you'll talk about kind of the surface level, like the symptoms, and then you'll often talk about the underlying, you know, maybe it's a chronic infection or right. toxicity. So there's something kind of a level deeper. And uh, she simply asked, how do you find out what that underlying condition That's is? A great question. Yeah, a lot of times people are curious, right? So, so Lena, um, you're not alone. And I am known, I, I, I'm known literally around the world now because of social media for running very in-depth labs. Uh, for 20 years, I've said we don't guess, we test. And so, Lena, how we figure out the underlying component is we run elaborate labs. And I'll tell you right now that depending upon what the needs are of a new patient of ours, I run somewhere between 10 and like 58 pages of Crazy. labs, right? <laughs> and some people, let's just go there for a second. Like people would say, why, what would be a person that you would run 58 pages of labs on? So, that would be a couple different people. Number one, maybe you're the person that has that has been on this crazy health journey for a very long time and you're like, if you can test for it, go for it. Like, I need to know that. The other thing is a lot of people have like some anxiety around their health. Mm. And for example, if, if a chronic Lyme uh, diagnosis comes back or a mycotoxin diagnosis comes back, it actually takes their anxiety and <sighs> yeah, because they're like, yeah. okay, now I know what we're up against. Um, and then there's some people very respectfully that are like, Dr. Greg, don't nickel and dime me if you can run the test, run the test. Right. So what I would tell Lena is the tests tell us exactly what we're up against. Now, the test, knowing what you're up against, like I think it's on a cartoon, it says it's only half the battle, right? Right. That information, you now it's very beneficial to us clinically, but now you have to do the dirty work. So, but the testing gives us a huge amount of information to at least know what we're up against. Okay. So let's dive into the world of Hashimoto's for a minute. So Bobby Joe on TikTok, um, you know, you've talked a lot about how Hashimoto's, it's not actually a thyroid condition. It's an, it's an immune system right. condition. And if you haven't seen that video, I think it's pinned on TikTok. Just go back, look at it. Um, but her question is then, so why am I on thyroid medication then? Well, she's on thyroid medication. By the way, Bobby Joe, right? Good question. You are so not alone. So many times the, 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 pro, the progress of Hashimoto's disease is it actually starts as autoimmune thyroiditis 
And then once it's autoimmune thyroiditis for long enough, then over five to 10 to 15 years, then it becomes Hashimoto's. Now, why she's on thyroid medication is because the gold standard of care in Western medicine for a high TSH number is to give levothyroxine or Synthroid or, or thyroid armor or something because that's what their approach is to decrease that TSH, where the real question has to be asked, why? It's not, it's, you don't have a, it's not like you have a lack of levothyroxine in your body, right? right. Much like a headache's not a lack of aspirin. Mm -hmm. You have to ask the why question to that. And again, you know, we've talked about this before, many doctors are very uh, hesitant to run the full thyroid panels because there really is no, like uh, I've, I've heard endocrine, from endo, many endocrinologists that would say, if you have Hashimoto's, we don't treat it any differently. Yeah. Which is really a nice way to say, we don't have anything for it. Yeah. Um, so, so you are not alone with that. With that. That brings me to yeah. another question here. Um, this one in particular is from Kelsey, but we've gotten so many variations of this question on TikTok and Instagram. But uh, the question is: so, if we have Hashimoto's, what or can we do anything to help yeah. it? Because the doctor is saying, "There's nothing." Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Kelsey, you are totally not alone. Um, Okay, so the question is always, why do you have Hashimoto's? Why is your body making anti-thyroid antibodies? And in my world, with my philosophy and my 20 plus years of doing this, it's because your body's responding appropriately to underlying stressors. What are those? Chronic infection. What are chronic infections? Lyme disease, a chronic viral infections, parasites, mycotoxins, um, heavy metals, uh, environmental toxins, those are clinical stressors, and it can also be emotional stressors. Mm -hmm. By the way, we all know about these things, right? I got a crappy job, I got a bad marriage, I've got crazy parents, I've got, um, you name it, that can be, I have trauma. Those things are no different than having a virus in your body. Mm -hmm. And those things collectively can cause your body to respond appropriately to its environment. So, to get well, you have to be willing to address all of it. Interesting. So there you go. So let's go into uh, one of my favorite topics, parasites. <laughs> so a couple variations, one from Linda on Instagram, one from the user Life Love Mystery. Two different versions of the same question, but essentially, you know, maybe you can explain a little bit about who has parasites mm -hmm. and who needs to even be worried about this. But then the right. question really is, how do we get rid of them? Because that's the first thing I think any rational human being would want to know. <laughs> yeah, like, how do I get rid of this? Yeah. Thing? Okay, so <laughs> the CDC, which respectfully, maybe people have either gained respect or lost respect for with what's going on in the world, even they say that 60% of Americans have parasites. Wow. Uh, I have a friend. Um, he probably takes the other side of the fence. He's like, if you have a pulse, you have parasites. Yeah. By the way, you can test for these things. Now, not, there is no such thing as a perfect test, though. Let me tell you that also. Think about testing, right? You draw a handful of vials of blood. Um, you, not, not all of your blood is perfectly mixed, for example, or a parasite could be in muscle or the joint. So if it's not in the blood, it doesn't mean that it's impossible to be in the body. So, but there are specific blood markers that are definitively tied to parasites. Number one, eosinophils. Number two, basophils. So if eosinophils are above 3% and basophils are above 1%, do not pass go, do not click 200 bucks, you got parasites. Now, if you have that, please do not just jump in and start doing a parasite cleanse. 
you're gonna hear us talk about a lot about drainage. If your drainage pathways are not moving perfectly well and you try to kill something, there's this term called a Herxheimer or a Herx reaction. That is not good. So um, how to kill parasites. There are many different vitamins or herbs or roots or homeopathics that we use. Everyone responds differently mm. to parasite work. Um, and you have to understand too that parasites, there's different life stages of a parasite. There's eggs, there's lymph, there's larvae, there's adults. It's, it's, it's kind of this whole crazy world. And, and also the test that does not work is the traditional medical test called the ONP, ova and parasite. It's the poop test. I have had um, dozens and dozens and dozens of negative poop tests from the, from the, from the medical lab. And we still did uh, appropriate parasite cleansing and um, Lo and behold, now, with that being said, 70% of parasites are microscopic. So you could literally poop out millions and you wouldn't know. Mm. It's when, the, it's when the, uh, the bigger ones come out that it can be a little bit like, whoa, what the heck went on with that? So that's parasites. Hi, everyone. I hope you're enjoying today's episode of The Daily Dose with Dr. Greg. Please stick around for a quick word from our sponsors, and we'll be right back to our conversation with Dr. Greg. Life Boost Coffee offers an incredible variety of organic coffees, and there's an additional benefit to Life Boost. All Life Boost coffees are low acid, which means that if you've had to cut back on coffee before because it irritates your gut, you can enjoy Life Boost without any issues. People are often amazed at the difference between Life Boost and other coffees. For example, Life Boost doesn't sit on store shelves for months. There's no fresher way to get coffee and it's delivered right to your door. Since you're listening to my podcast right now, they're running a 50% off special for your first order. Go to lifeboostdeal.com. Okay, I just put this question down as being from literally everyone because <laughs> we get it so often. You know who you are. Yeah. <laughs> I have a positive ANA. Yep. Uh, what does that mean? That what do you such think? such a good question. In my opinion, the ANA, there is some association with lupus and sclerodermic arthritis. What it means to me, it's not a de definitive diagnosis. What the ANA tells me is that the body is in an autoimmune state. By the way, there's another kind of um, interesting marker that much like the ANA says, I don't know what the diagnosis is, but there's definitely a autoimmune component. Okay, so in the differentials, like so if you had good a good set of labs ran and they did a, a CBC, a complete blood count with differentials, there's an inversion of neutrophils and lymphocytes. So you should have more neutrophils than you have lymphocytes. Mm. However, if you have more, um, more lymphocytes than neutrophils, an inverted ratio, that's another like, non-specific autoimmune marker. Okay, now I understand there's frustration like, but what's my diagnosis, right? Right. This world is like, what's my label? What's my label? Um, and I don't, I don't mean to say I don't care. Yeah. I'm always saying, why? Why are you throwing a positive ANA? Why do you have an inverted differential count? And that's where we jump into the deeper lab and look for underlying infection, look for liver stress, um, so, I, but I get, I, and I honor that. People are like, but, but, but what does that mean that I have? Right. You know, so, and there's even, there's even a term called a nonspecific autoimmune condition. And there's over a hundred diagnosed, a hundred, over a hundred different diagnosed autoimmune diseases. And our big thing in this clinic is not to label people, but to empower people.
Mm -hmm. right? So, so if you have a positive ANA, it's your body's way of saying, I'm in a battle. Yeah. I'm in a battle and I need help. So then, so by the way, if you have an ANA, if, if you've gone far enough to have a positive ANA, then you probably have a bunch of other markers like a comprehensive metabolic profile, which looks at the liver and the gut and the kidneys. You probably have a CBC with a differential, which will look to see if you're anemic or have infection. Like you've got the tools. We just need to ask, be a little more curious and go, what's the underlying cause here? Yeah. Here's another question for you. Um, and maybe I have a couple here about uh, NAFL, so non-alcoholic fatty liver. Uh, this one comes from Sue on Instagram. I have non-alcoholic fatty liver, um, but my doctors have no further guidance mm -hmm. for me. Any suggestions? Yeah. She feels kind of hopeless, yeah. doesn't she? Like, oh, okay. Like, I actually had a patient yesterday, and I'll get back to the non-alcoholic fatty liver syndrome. I had a patient yesterday, 20-year-old male. Uh, in, he was told last week that he's in stage three kidney failure. Mm. And the doctors are like, there's nothing we can do until, they're, until you, we put you on dialysis and get you a transplant. Mm. What? So this woman feels the same way. So again, if if what, what I'm now what I'm guessing is that you don't have bad genes and bad luck, even though there can be a genetic component. But the question is always why is the liver stressed? What what burden does the liver have right now that is making it have this fatty response? And again, when I think of the liver, I think of infection, I think of toxicity, um, even hormone dysregulation, but you gotta dig deeper. And respectfully, they don't have tools. Like Western mm -hmm. medicine does not have tools to support liver function. Let's just call a spade a spade, right? They don't, they don't understand how liver enzymes work. They don't know how liver cleanses work. I mean, and, and maybe in one of these videos, we'll talk about even coffee enemas and how those things can help with the liver. Because it's, again, their job is drugs and surgery. So if there's not one of those, they're like, nothing we can do right now. Mm. You actually answered the other question about, was it? <laughs> it was, the other one was also, is NAFL genetic? So you right, actually yeah. done that. Well, the thing about genes, there's this gene called the MTHFR gene, methyl tetrahydrofolate reductase, right? Say that one six times fast. <laughs> and that's why we measure folate, B12, and homocysteine. Now, we, I stopped doing genetic testing a while ago because the report, by the way, was like 500 pages long and it was overwhelming. So if you have one or two of the MTHFR SNPs, your, your liver doesn't do as well. Mm. So, But I can tell if you have it by folate B12 and homocysteine. I am just as accurate by understanding a genetic SNP by those lab markers because I've done enough genetic testing plus lab testing to see a huge correlation. So interesting. Yeah. Um, here's a here's an interesting one that I I don't think I've even heard your thoughts on this before. Maybe. I always think you're going to throw me like a curveball here. You're going to give me like some really tough question. <laughs> oh, this one might be. No, a let's bit go of for one. it. What the heck? This one's from Macy. She said, "So this is actually interestingly enough. This is on a video about gallbladder removal and kind of the ripple effect." Yeah. Uh, but the question is actually, what about appendix removal? Oh, I, I feel like I've gone downhill since my Yes, removal. yes, yes. Okay. Oh my gosh. Okay. So the appendix, what is it? So your appendix sits on your lower right side and I call it an infection sac. So it is designed to sequester and it's designed for your body to throw infection or toxicity into this little sac called your appendix so that things can go on and your body kind of like, hey, it's kind of like 
you go here for a while because I can't deal with you right now. <laughs> and then what happens, think about you put a bunch of infection into one area or a bunch of toxicity in one area, the chance of it becoming inflamed and pissed off is pretty good. Yeah. So when there's an append appendix attack and the appendix is removed, the question, yes, thank God, that, that's the appropriate procedure. But the question is always, all right, what was going on that caused the need for that. And two, if you understand where the appendix is, the appendix is actually a part of the junction between the small and large intestine, then the question is like, okay, what's going on in my gut? Mm. Right? So then we want to look at leaky gut, we want to look at liver enzymes, and definitely infection markers. So um, I would tell people that it seems to be less deleterious with, with appendectomies, which is the, the taking, the, taking the, uh, the appendix out, than the uh, cholecystectomies, taking the gallbladder out. However, I'm not discounting her experience that says, hey, ever since this thing was taken out, I'm not doing so well. Mm. Because now where does the body put the infection? Mm -hmm. Now it has to straight up deal with it. Or the toxicity, for example. So, time to dig deeper. Let's get another one up here. Uh, so this one comes from uh, a user, Forgotten Lore, on TikTok. Please tell us more about the thyroid and liver connection because my liver panel panel is all off and I have hypo slash Hashimoto's. Yeah. yeah, we talked about this in one of our podcasts that we did. So just very simple. Your thyroid is 60%, excuse me, your liver is 60% responsible from taking the, the T4 hormone to T3 hormone. And again, the way that I explain this is T4 is like crude oil. T3 is like gasoline. It has to go through the refinery. So 60% of that conversion happens in the liver. Now to know uh, if you have enough T3, T3 available is the free T3 marker. Now, unfortunately, most doctors do not run this marker, but you want it above 3.0. So if it's above 3.0, then you know that your thyroid or your liver rather is probably doing its job. The other part of this equation is the gut is 20% responsible for that T4 to T3 conversion. And I'll tell you what, um, the, the synergy of gut and liver dysfunction, because if you think about it, your liver dumps into your gut. They're right beside each other. So there's this huge um, interconnectedness of those mm -hmm. two organs. So if your thyroid isn't functioning well, you must look at the liver and the gut. I've got one last question for you here. So this is coming back to the thyroid Hashimoto's conversation. So in a lot of your videos you've talked about, even today we've already talked about the difference between just hypothyroidism versus Hashimoto's. Mm -hmm. um, but knowing that a lot of people wanna know why even then, so they're different, but why does it matter? How are they treated differently? Right, well, I don't treat them differently, uh, but medicine, Western medicine does. Um, the, the, di the differentiation clinically is Hashimoto's has anti-thyroid antibodies, so anti-TPO and anti-TG elevated, and an elevated TSH, typically above five. Those are the three factors that are needed for, in my opinion, and there's, there's actually people that would say that's not how you diagnose it, or, or you're not right. I mean, at some point in time, we just have to treat the body. So that's the diagnosis of Hashimoto's. But a normal TSH or even an optimal TSH, which in my world is about 1.5 to 2.0, with elevated antithyroid um, globulin and antiperoxidase, that's called autoimmune thyroiditis. 
Now, again, regardless of what which one you have, it's still the immune system going nuts. Typically, when it's gotten to the point of Hashimoto's, the poor thyroid has taken enough blows that it's being impacted as well. So we have to support the thyroid. Uh, and obviously, Western medicine does it with synthetic hormones. Our goal is to do with things like selenium and vitamin C and some iodine if it's appropriate. But again, you know, it, it just like the gut. I mean, think think of think of Hashimoto's is like you know the gut having leaky gut because it's just been it's had all kinds of things going through it. So you got to support the tissue. You have questions. You're watching this. You're like, oh my gosh, what about this? What about this? Ask us. That's why we're here. So Eric, why don't you jump in and kind of give the listeners how to find us? Yeah, sure. So it's Dr. Greg Health at Dr. Greg Health on both TikTok and Instagram. And then lastly. Um, we like to love on you guys. So if you have found value inside of this episode, we, what we would do is we're going to incentivize you a little bit. So if you would be so kind to leave us a, a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts, we are going to give away one bottle of my world-famous vitamin D product called DV3 that I've used exclusively with my family, myself, and my clinic for over seven years now. So if you put a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts, you'll go into a drawing and we will give away a bottle of that for you. So there you have there you it. Go. Oh my gosh. So that's good stuff. Again, so the goal of our, of our group, of our clinic is just to empower and encourage and answer questions. And, and I'm pretty sure that if you've asked a question on social media, you've, you've got a response from us. And <laughs> so keep the questions coming in. If you have other questions for us, we'll, we'll, we'll take care of them. But ultimately our goal is to empower you and those around. So um, signing off. Have a great day.